A very good day to you. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Sunday Synthesis Podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and of course, Dr. Anton Myberg. It is the 14th of November, 2021. We are heading dangerously towards December. A lot of your questions are concerning and concern December holidays. Can we book? Can we go away? Is there going to be a fourth wave? Do we need to get vaccinated again? The uh, Our heads are spinning. So thank you, everybody, for sending all of your questions. We are doing the podcast every second week now, and uh, we'll do that until we, uh, and maybe uh, if we hit a fourth wave, then we will, of course, move to weekly once again. Dr. Anton Marburg, you're looking very healthy and relaxed. Are you like in Mauritius or something? So good morning. I'm broadcasting from the Seychelles this morning. I've just used my home <laughs> as the background. This is the right. new home, you know, he's in COVID over for everybody. But he's got you look our, relaxed. Yeah, yeah. The, there's definitely a, an air of relaxation about due to mm-hmm. the fact that the numbers are so low and the fact that we can actually be able to be a bit more normal than we've been over the last few months. So currently there are 253,713,091 cases worldwide with 5.1 million deaths and 229 million cases resolved. United States has 47 million cases with 783,000 deaths. India, 34 million cases with 463,000 deaths. And Brazil has 611,000 deaths. South Africa, 2,925,677 cases with 89,476 deaths and 306 new cases in the last 24 hours, or 1.1% test positivity rate. There are currently 1,207 patients in hospital with COVID, of which 151 in ICU and 40 are ventilated. And we have reached a 33% vaccination rate in fully vaccinated adults. Is that a reasonable number, 33%? Are we disappointed? Are we happy? What, what, what are we hoping for? We are highly disappointed at the moment. Um, we were hoping to be above 50 60% by this stage of the year, wow. closing up on the holidays. So there's a lot of vaccine hesitancy. There's a lot of people who become very lax about it. Um, it's not it's not at all encouraging. Okay, so that is a concern. We're going to come back to that because a lot of our questions are around vaccines. So at this stage, most hospitals or many hospitals actually don't have any COVID patients. That's correct. And, and we find that even if a hospital does have a COVID patient, it's essentially a bar-the-bar patient. In other words, someone comes in okay. for a procedure and they found to be positive. And these are generally the vaccinated patients that are found to be positive, but actually are not symptomatic from a COVID point of view. Well, should we be testing people who are maybe vaccinated and and might have COVID, but are not really symptomatic? Surely, surely at some point it just becomes an endemic problem. When it becomes endemic, then we can stop testing. At this point, it's still a pandemic. So we can't really lower our guard with regards to the testing of people. You know, as I always say, it's going to be similar to influenza. And we get Mm. to a stage where hopefully it will be seasonal. We hope and we'll be able to predict Mm. when and where it's going to be at high levels. And then we can be more prudent and more sort of guarded about the testing. But right now, we still have to carry on with the testing. 
Okay. Uh, one thing that, that I was quite concerned about was noticing the trends in Europe. And uh, we spoke to somebody in uh, in Amsterdam, in fact, on Friday, and he was saying that they're now looking to go to some form of a stricter lockdown, 16,000 new cases a day. This is essentially their fourth wave. Why, why, what lessons can be learned from that and what are we seeing there? So it is true. We're seeing increased cases throughout the world, more so in the Northern Hemisphere. And that's got a lot to do with infectious strain, with sluggish vaccine rollout, even though we know that the countries in the Northern Hemisphere are much more prominent about actually vaccinating. Right. There's vaccine hesitancy, there's a lax attitude to physical distancing, and there's non-mask wearing, which is a big role. And there's a new study that's come out to show the advantageousness of wearing a mask and that together with social distancing shows a huge benefit to people from spreading the actual virus. We know that vaccines alone cannot contain the virus at this point, but they are amazing and they do what they're supposed to do. The problem with countries like Europe is they're in their winter now. So people are much more contained together mm, indoors. indoors. Yeah, you know, yeah. And once again, without the mask wearing mandates and without people social distancing, even though people are vaccinated, you can still spread the virus. And of course, the most important thing is the unvaccinated fools. Unvaccinated. All right. Well, we won't call them necessarily unvaccinated fools at this point because uh, because we're just trying to understand the situation. The, that, that said, with the 16,000 new cases a day, from what I can understand, the death rate is still very is low, which means that the vaccine is working as it should in terms of hospitalization and death. Is that right? No doubt. The, the, the death rate is low, but the hospitalization is high with the unvaccinated people. So those people who've been vaccinated and those people who are with their time frame of still having the right amount of antibodies from the vaccinations are still very well protected. They may be positive, and that's why the numbers are so high, but they're not requiring hospitalization. They're not severe enough to go into oxygen or to severe medication. Right, which of course does assist with putting strain on the the medical system. And And you've got to ask yourself a question, is it wise for a country like Netherlands to create a lockdown now. Um, look, we've learned lessons from lockdown. Lockdown works, but it's not financially, socially a positive thing because there are much more consequences of these lockdowns, more so than the health repercussions. So, so following what you're saying, given the fact that we have vaccines in, in South Africa and that most people, certainly at least from, uh, from, from the age of 12, are able now to, to go and get them, would you say that a, a lockdown scenario would be a mistake for South Africa in the event of a fourth wave? I do, I do believe so. You know, there's, there's degrees of lockdown, but I, I do believe it would be a mistake. Because we can't, I mean, take away the the ESCOM load shedding, take away the water shortages, and now you've got to put another lockdown onto people. You know, how to cripple a country.com. It's just, mm, it's mm, just mm. not going to work. So it's got, in other words, it's got enormous it's got ramifications. Massive, mental, yeah. economic, and also and emotional, which, which of course, is, yeah. is, 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 they are very real factors. A lot of we've, people We've got to work out, you know, we've got to work out and, and understand that what's going to bring the fourth wave closer well, this is what it's I want generally to from, from a, a super spreading event. And that's why we are petrified of this rage event, but petrified of the rage event, because that last year was a major super spreading event. And I don't care what they've put in place for it, 
you can't contain these things once alcohol is involved. It's just, yeah. and you just, you just we all know, yeah, and we know that about our own behavior. These are kids. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I know how, how most of us are once we've, once we relaxed and, and you really can't blame them. Don't put them in that situation. Again, 100%. so you would advise pa- parents very, very strongly not to allow Do not your send your kids on rage. It's a huge mistake. What about camp? So camp's doable. You know, there's certain, I mean, the protocols at camp are unbelievable. From my own personal side, I would prefer to have the kids double vaccinated. But as I say, you know, they put their protocols in place and they're going with it and they're not allowing people onto the campsite who aren't vaccinated. You've got to get something sort of let go in a way, especially when the numbers are so low, but they've got to be very careful. And they know Mm. that and they're aware of Mm. the risks and the, you know, and they're doing all they can to try and make sure that the protocols are in place and that the kids are protected. Mm. Someone wants to know about the efficacy and the availability of the new oral vaccines. So the oral vaccines are, are quite interesting. They're now, as we've spoken about before, they're trialing uh, one of the new oral vaccines in South Africa. It's the Oromed Orovax vaccine, which has been made in Israel. It uses the virus-like particle to target three of COVID-19 surface proteins. So we know that the surface protein of, of the coronavirus has got a spark protein, it's got a membrane protein and an envelope protein, whereas the injectable vaccine only targets one of those, it targets a spark protein. So here you've got a vaccine that's going to be targeting three proteins on the actual surface. So it promises a much higher effectivity and most likely will be far more beneficial to take and the fact that it's oral and can be taken from home. They're still in discussion with regards to whether the fact it will need to be refrigerated or not, but it's going to be far easier to be taken and it's going to be far cheaper and far more accessible to our country. Okay, so that is, and that is, well, if they're trialing it, generally how long does that take then from this type of a trial with actually trying it in here in South Africa? So they phase one, phase two trials, you've got to get to phase three, phase four trials. In other words, with a few thousand, like 30,000 people having trialed the drug. We're part of the study. We're not the only, we're not the pilot yeah. study. We're not the only country being involved. Israel is also doing it. And I'm sure the other countries are also doing it, other drug companies as well. So it's still going to take a few months for that to, to come about. Right. But so, And that's on the prevention side. That's, that's a vaccine. Effectively, it's a vaccine, yeah, right. A lot of people almost like the oral polio vaccine, right? I got it. In terms of the new Pfizer drug for the treatment of COVID, yeah, so Pfizer have come out with a new drug called Paxlovid, which also can be used at home. Um, Paxlovid is the easier way to call it. It actually consists of two different drugs. One is a repurposed drug called Ritonavir, which is Mm -hmm. an antiretroviral drug, which is a protease inhibitor, and the other one is called PF0321332. The wait, wait, wait. Just have PF, that again because I, I forgot some of like the letters. cell phone number. Right. PF0732132. Call now and you'll get a toll-free number and you can right. find it from there. I was just thinking I could use that as but one of my passwords. Huh? The Ritonovir is actually a capsule and right. the PF is a pull and they're taken together. And the way it works is this Ritonovir is what we call a sacrificial chemical. So it actually prevents the body from metabolizing the PF cell phone number and ensures that it reaches the virus actually intact. They both are what we call protease inhibitors, and it's shown a reduction in hospitalization and death of about 89%. Now, obviously, this is early studies, and we've still got a lot more studies to do about, and we still need to see a lot more peer-reviewed things regarding it, but it Mm. looks very, very promising. 
That's amazing. And I know with remdesivir and some of the other drugs we've spoken about, you had to take it within a certain window and it only worked under certain circumstances. Do these hope to be a little bit different? So they, they're also basically going to be taken at the beginning of the, the infections, very similar to the, the Merck drug, Molnupiravir, which is also an antiretroviral, or anti, antiviral, shall I rather say. And that's been shown to reduce hospital deaths and severe cases by about 50%. It should be given at the time of the onset of symptoms or within the first five days of the symptoms. So very okay. similar so to Remdesivir, similar to very similar right. to the monoclonal antibodies. Given mm. early, they work. You're right, like Ivermectin, I imagine. Sorry, there seems to be a break in the communication here. I said like Ivermectin. Does it work Only in a if similar you're at the show choir. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So, so th- these are important breakthroughs, I would imagine, that, that right. if... So they're really are, important. Are they other drug companies are coming up with new things. So, the Molnupiravir is available. And, and funnily enough, the United Kingdom is spearheading that. Normally, it's the United States that goes ahead with the, the production and the thing. Mm-hmm. The United Kingdom has spearheaded that they are actually starting to wanting to roll it out in the United Kingdom long before any other country. And I know that Merck is producing up to 200 million doses of the medication. So that is available. But as I say, the um, Paxlovid is still in sort of testing and formulation. So I'm not quite sure that's available commercially just yet. But I would imagine that knowing that, and we'll talk about the fourth wave in, in a short while, but knowing that we are likely to have a surge or a fourth wave of some sort, we would want to be organized that if this does hit us, you would have this in your arsenal. We would want to have an arsenal, but we also want to be sure that we are happy to use it. You know, So we know that we're happy to use the Molnupiravir. Mm. Um, we still need more information about the Paxlovid. You know, we've got to be 100% sure that we're happy to use it and what the side effects are and consequences are, and if the risks outweigh the, the benefits or vice versa. Mm, mm. Okay, I got that. Let's just talk lots and lots of questions around vaccines, vaccine boosters, second J&J. So we're now in a situation where Sasanki have uh, finally overdue, as far as I'm concerned, allowing are allowing healthcare workers to get the booster. In fact, they're encouraging it very strongly, as I would imagine you will. We're getting a lot of questions from people saying, well, I've got the J&J. Should I be waiting rather for them to open up a Pfizer booster? Should I take the J&J now? Should I get tested for antibodies and then decide what is the what is the most prudent thing to do at this point? Because I can tell you many, many, many questions around this. So, yeah, it's, it's a very, I think it's almost an emotional decision that people are making. But what we do know is the Sonki trial was open for health care workers, for mm. people who are on the front line, for people who are working with COVID patients. And initially it was Look, the well, stop there. I think a lot of people got confused and they thought healthy workers. So they managed to get okay. people. So we just, it was open for healthy workers, right? Well, so it was, exactly, so, exactly. That yeah. was just a bit of confusion. So a lot so of people. It, yeah. it was started uh, in February and uh, the J&J was given. And remember, it was a trial where there were no placebos given. So you were only given the J&J, and they wanted to see the response if there were breakthrough infections or and the, the mortality or morbidity rate from actually getting that. We now are nine months down the line from the first people who got the vaccine. And all the studies show that the antibodies wane from about six to eight months after having had the Johnson Johnson. So ideally, we know that there's 
a far better response from receiving a Pfizer vaccine as your booster. It's called a heterologous response. But there's been no go-ahead from the, the MAC or from Sasanki or from any other places to get a Pfizer booster. They're only offering the J&J &J now. And we don't know when the Pfizer will be available to use as a booster. So if you are immune suppressed or if you're working on the front line and you're worried, get the J&J. &J. You know, I always say to people, it's like traveling on a long distance journey. You can either go in a Mercedes or you can go in a Lamborghini. You're going to get there the same way, but the journey is just that much sweeter going in the Lamborghini. So if you're immune suppressed or you're immune compromised or you're very worried about it, get the J&J. There's still a great response to getting the J&J as a booster. But if you want to wait, we've seen that the Western Cape is saying that within a few weeks, I don't know how long it will be, they'll be offering the Pfizer to people who don't want to take the J&J. Remember, Sasanki is a J&J trial, so they're only mm, going to offer you J&J. Mm, mm. So if you want to wait and you're confident to wait, then, then wait. You know, If not, yeah. go ahead and have the J&J. &J. I would suggest people rather have the J&J &J sooner than later because we don't know how long the Pfizer is going to last for, and we don't know if they're going to allow people for boosters. You know, we've got to go all through this bureaucracy to get actually what we need in this country. It's actually unbelievable. So in other words, even if it is less than perfect, as far as you're concerned, medically, if you have, if you if are you, heading towards... If you're due for it and you can get it, get it. Can get it. Yeah, I, I would imagine that that is any sign of booster shots for non-healthcare workers. In other words, people that already got the two Pfizer's, are they going to be allowed soon? Zip, zip, no sign. And that's why I say there's all this bureaucracy. You know, mm, we're all over the world. Everyone's getting boosters. Everyone's getting what they need. We're being almost shuffled into little you know, collection saying, you'll get it when we're ready for it, not when you're ready for it. And I don't understand yeah. that. I don't know why we've got enough vaccines to give boosters. You know, we're trying to promote people to be vaccinated. We want people, we've only got 33% of our population vaccinated. You know, what are we waiting for? Then let those who want to be protected get their vaccines, get their boosters, and keep on trying to defer vaccine hesitancy and try to get people more mm. prominently vaccinated. What is the ideal time from your second Pfizer to get your booster, your third shot six in an months. ideal so world? Basically six, six months, six months after that second Pfizer in an ideal world, in anywhere right. outside Africa. Right. There's a, I heard a great expression yesterday called um, cheeky Pfizer's. And a cheeky Pfizer is if a healthcare worker uh, managed to get themselves, not managed, got the Johnson & Johnson, but then they got a cheeky Pfizer. Those people that have got the Johnson & Johnson and a cheeky Pfizer, yeah. what, what should they be doing? So under no circumstances at this point in time, should anyone who got the Johnson & Johnson and the cheeky Pfizer have cool another that, Johnson & Johnson. Very right. cool. No, and you should not have the Johnson & Johnson. There's no studies. There's no data to show having a um, mRNA with the Johnson & Johnson plus another Johnson & Johnson is effective or it doesn't have side effects. You know, okay. we don't know how robust it is for the immune response. It can be too much for the immune response. We don't know. There's no, response, there's no studies. But we do know that if you have had the Johnson & Johnson and then you've had the Pfizer, you should wait at least another six months 
before you have another Pfizer, at least. Okay, so that was my next question. So in other words, if you've had a Johnson and you managed to get a cheeky Pfizer, you can you need to wait another six months before you get your second Pfizer. That's what you would recommend, med- at yes, least medically. At least, yeah. All right, and I think that's important. If I could underline that, I think that yeah. that's... Uh, Look, we, we still need to wait for more studies to come out, mm. but I mean, anyone who's had a, a cheeky Pfizer would still not be anywhere close to that six-month stage yet that will only be probably january february next year anyway right um amanda says hi howard can you please ask dr marburg is rapid testing for year-end parties and weddings uh, a good idea so that's a great question i think we've got to understand that that what, what people don't understand about rapid tests is that when you're doing a rapid test on somebody and it comes back as positive it's generally the people who are symptomatic that come back with positive tests. So someone who's coughing, someone's got mm-hmm. a fever. If it comes back as negative, it doesn't definitively mean that you are not positive on a PCR test. And the big problem with these rapid tests is that if someone is asymptomatic, a lot of the time they'll get a, a false negative on the rapid test. So the rapid test may give you some semblance of that you are safe. And you know, if you're doing a wedding and everyone comes back as negative, there's a, a better chance that there's no one markedly contagious, but there's no mm. foolproof. There's nothing that you say that okay. is definitively right. clear. Mm. And you still got to wear your mask and you still got to social distance, but it does give you a feeling of, you know, things are under control and we can breathe a bit. So it's totally understandable why it's being done. Um, and it does make sense, but the golden standard is still the PCR. Right. Jared says, uh, hi, the Hatsola number showed an increase from two from zero two weeks ago to eight cases last week. Is this an ominous sign? Yes, it is an ominous sign because, you know, as you say, people let their guard down and people start cohabiting more and people start populating together. And then infections start brewing. You know, the, the virus looks for weak links and we look for super spread events. And it may not seem like a big number eight, but going from zero to eight, shows you that numbers are potentially going up and can potentially go up, and we need to be very careful and watch this. The important thing to note is that of those eight, how many of them have been hospitalized? And I think, you know, without knowing all the facts, I think the majority of them have not been hospitalized because they've been vaccinated or partially vaccinated and therefore aren't critically ill. Right. And a uh, Merle says, interesting question, do babies uh, who are being breastfed get some of the protection against COVID-19 from a mom who has been vaccinated? Mm. So that's also very interesting, is that we know that once the vaccine is given to a breastfeeding mother, she cannot transfer the vaccine through breastfeeding, it's broken down, mRNA gets broken down. But what she can do is transfer her antibodies, her protective antibodies through the breast milk. So there's been no cases of transfer of COVID. Because remember, it's not a live vaccine that you're giving. There's Mm -hmm. been no cases of transfer of COVID via breastfeeding. If there are cases of COVID, it's generally because the mother hasn't put a mask on while they're breastfeeding or it's from respiratory droplets spread from that point of view. But generally, it's a very safe thing to do. As long as the mother can, you know, is not so sick that she she can't uh, breastfeed and she can express her milk, uh, but it does give you antibodies from the mother from a protective point of view. Okay, so that's very. It makes it even more important for pregnant women yeah. and breastfeeding moms to actually get vaccinated. Hundred percent. 
Yeah, a, a lot of arguments and discussions that I see over and over again, and maybe we can just address this, and we have we have done so, but I wouldn't mind you addressing it again, is the difference between natural immunity, i.e. somebody who's recovered from COVID versus somebody who's been vaccinated. So, yeah. So I think we've got to dispel some of the rumors from the fact is that, do you want to get COVID? And the answer is no, because the long-term consequences of COVID there's long COVID, there's the fatigue, there's the respiratory consequences, there's the loss of smell, there's the loss of taste, there's depression, there's post-traumatic stress. There's mm. so many things that can happen because of the COVID. But that being said, we do know that people that get COVID do have a very robust immunity. Now you take somebody who's had COVID and you give them a booster. That gives you about a 98% protection against COVID. Wow, wow, the wow. antibody production from COVID mm. plus from the booster is, to lack of better words, magnanimous. It's fantastic. Yeah, so we yeah. don't want to go out there and get these COVID parties and make sure we get COVID mm. in order to get that. Right. But it, but it really does. But it really does. It really work. does confer. Yeah, it confers a far greater immunity than just the vaccine by itself. Yeah, so that is really, really very, very positive. And uh, and finally, just to reiterate, people should book and go on holiday if they possibly can in December. So no, so I don't agree with that. I think people have to book. People need a holiday. We are mm. at that stage where everyone is burnt out. Everyone has had tough years. And if you can, then go on holiday. Make a plan to go on holiday. We need it. We all deserve it. It's just something that we need. I always say there's something we need, vitamin C, S-E-A. We all mm. need that vitamin mm. to get us mm. through the next few months. And that's that's our booster. That's our recharger that we're going to need. Right. That is the natural booster. That's probably the best one of the best boosters. And if you were a betting man, which you are not, well, actually, I played poker with you. You might not be a very good betting man, but you do do bet from time to time. When would you say that the fourth wave will happen? So... We think um, that we actually know that the bar has been actually moved. You know, we initially thought maybe the end of November, but it looks like the middle of December to the beginning of January. But that's all dependent on the fact of super spreading events. If there's major super spreading events, and if there isn't a variant of concern, and you are going I meant to ask you that actually. Yeah. Whilst we're talking about a fourth wave, are we seeing any signs of of another Greek? So. A new COVID variant was found in France. It's called the B1640, and that was found in a school. But it's so new that it hasn't even got a Greek name. Wow. It hasn't been shown to be dramatically dangerous, but they are watching at this point in time. So as I say, if there's a new variant that's worse than the Delta, then it changes things dramatically. But the way it's looking at the moment, it looks towards the mid towards end of December and hopefully at a later period. Right. And I mean, that is so it really does give people the opportunity just to get away and that and to face whatever we need to face, hopefully not as dramatic if people are vaccinated, they make sure that the kids can get vaccinated uh, ahead of uh, ahead of the fourth wave. I'm presuming there's lots of good news. So the good news is fantastic. The numbers are down. The mm. hospitals are, are really empty of COVID patients. We're four weeks plus minus away from our December break. Just don't take your eye off the ball. And speaking about the ball, it's been a hell of a boring two weeks without any Premier League soccer. Just remember, you'll never walk alone. And to quote, the real workout starts when you want to stop. So don't stop. Hmm. Look after yourselves. 
just follow the rules, stay outside, keep your social distancing, keep your masks, and let's get through this. Let's get out of the tip and see. Absolutely right. Thank you, Dr. Anton Marburg. Just uh, for your information, we are recording every two weeks, but we will not be recording in December unless something changes, as it did last year. So uh, that means that in two weeks' time will be our final episode for 2021. Make sure that you get your questions in ahead of time. Make sure you subscribe below and uh, you just make sure that you have a fantastic and safe week. I'm Howard Feldman. This is the Sunday Synthesis podcast with me, Howard Feldman, and of course, Dr. Anton Marburg. Have a great week and God bless.